0: Hey, podcast fans, just a couple of quick announcements before we get to today's episode. First, The Bash is back December 10th, 11th, and 12th this year at Cardinal Newman. Check out the International Elite High School Basketball Showcase that is The Bash, thebashhoops.com, at The Bash Hoops across all social media platforms. Another unbelievable lineup of high school basketball teams from around the country and the southeast. We can't wait to get it started. And again, if you have not checked out teachhoops.com slash 816basketball, please do that. It helps support the show, and Coach Steve Collins has unbelievable resources there at teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio.
1: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here, as always, on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. Again, it can be their time as a high school coach, a college coach, a JV coach, or even if they have a really, really long job title now.
0: That's, that is, truer words have never been spoken, Chris de Blasio, and I tell you what, we, you know, I, I, we say it all the time, we just break down barriers, it's the little podcast that could, we've had high school coaches, we've had college coaches, we've had director of operations, we've had middle school coaches, now we're going to administration at the conference level, we're going, he was a great college player, is a great college coach, He is now the Senior Associate Commissioner for Men's and Women's Basketball for the MAC, Ricky Stokes. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast.
1: Thanks, Brian and Bloss. Glad to be here. And Coach, how do you get that on a business card? You don't. (laughs) I mean, what is the nameplate like outside your door? I mean, that is a mouthful. (laughs) You know, I had the men and
2: my counterpart left uh as a woman and uh it was kind of late and the boss said you know what you're gonna do both so, I think business cards are outdated anyway
1: right yeah that was that was a that was a 1997 reference business cards Oh uh, god business I have a, uh, i'm not i'm not gonna tell it here i have a great business card story but
0: we'll, we'll put that behind the paywall yeah behind
1: the paywall we
0: talk about the patreon we got to get that thing going um <laughs> But just to bring up some quick memories here, you know, we've mentioned that Coach Stokes is a great college player. Um, You know, Coach was with us at University of South Carolina. I believe I might be the only graduate assistant. You correct me if I'm wrong, Coach Stokes, the only GA to ever beat you in a pre-practice shooting game. Is that true or is that not true?
2: Ron, I think a lot of people beat
0: me shooting, but clearly you did beat me. Yes. Uh, I beat you and I, I only bring that up because the one day that I beat that was one day you were sick as a dog. I mean, you could barely move. You were just, and I, I just, I, I don't even know if I can count it as a victory, but I've still, I've still got a plaque made in my, in my office here. I'm just kidding.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> what, what I, what, what I like about this is that he didn't bring that up in the pre-show chat at all. <laughs> he waited to ambush you on the air with that.
2: You know, it's funny that you mention it because I never shot in college playing at Virginia, so I was more of a defensive player. But as you know, the older you get, you, you know, you shoot the ball better and, uh, you know, you work on your shot probably more after college than you do during college or I did anyway.
0: You so. we were, we were automatic. And I was, I mean, I know we're joking about it, but I had more fun and I knew I was going to lose every time I stepped up there. <laughs> I had more fun doing that with you. So I appreciate you entertaining me like that. For
1: Well, in college, Coach, I, I think you were probably told by Coach Holland to get the ball to, to Ralph and the other guys, right? And it was expressly, the express message delivered to you. You know what, Blaz, back in that
2: day, you know, the game is so much different. You know, I had to, I hate to even say it was before the shot clock and before the three-point line, but we really had a role uh, to play. And uh, it was just kind of old school basketball. The ball had to reverse and the ball had to go inside, go back outside. You had to reverse side. So all the things you don't see today, but uh, it, it was uh, a different time for sure.
1: Well, coach, I will tell you that I talk about ball reversal every three minutes at my practices with my teams, that we have to get the ball reversed. So I'm still I'm trying to keep it alive. I don't know if I'm doing it, but I'm trying. Why don't you uh, walk us through your journey in basketball as a player and a coach and and how you got to where you are today?
2: Okay, Blas, you know, I was very fortunate and I'll try to be as brief as possible. I grew up in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Very fortunate to have an older brother who played at Virginia as well. Um, had a great, probably a big influence on my life was my high school coach, Joins uh, Lancaster, who's, can you imagine, he's still coaching today. Uh, <laughs> he's retired, but just, I mean, he's a throwback. He's, um, you know, I, I was an inner city product uh, school was predominantly black and it was just one of those times where the coaches you know the parents instilled the coach was free reign and I I loved it because uh he taught us a lot of life lessons Uh, I went on to play at Virginia um had a great play with some great players great times Ralph Sampson Jeff Lamp went to the final four my freshman year uh went to the final four my senior year with Phil Wilson my class Rick Carlisle um, had some great victories. Ewing Sampson uh, went to Japan. We came back and lost to Chaminade. So there's been a tons of uh, the gamut uh, of uh, college basketball. But uh, to this day, still a lot of friendships, uh, a lot of great memories. And we even laugh about the Chaminade game. So it's kind of fun uh, that uh, I got into coaching um, I was a GA at Virginia, went in the business sector. Uh, my first job was at Bowling Green with Jim Luronega, who was one of my coaches from there. Uh, Dave Odom hired me at Wake. I uh, spent eight years at Wake. Uh, great players there, uh, great guys to work with. Dave Odom was one of my assistant coaches. I'm not going to name all the cast of characters, Assistant, <laughs> but uh, really a good group uh, Jerry Wainwright to... Ernie Nestor to Frank Haith, Larry Davis, uh, you name it. Uh, Great players, Rodney Rogers, Randolph Childress, Tim. um, Was there for eight. Went back to Virginia to be assistant to help Jeff Jones out. Uh, Jeff got fired. We all got fired. Uh, From there, Rick Barnes hired me at Clemson. Uh, I was there for about a month or less. He takes the job at uh, Texas go to Texas about 10 months and then I go to Virginia Tech. Uh, I was at Virginia Tech for four years. Um, then that got let go there. I was gonna get out and uh, do something else and not knowing what I was gonna do. And Coach Odom said, hey, come down to South Carolina. And uh, I had decided to come down to South Carolina and met you two fine gentlemen. And I uh, had a good, good run at South Carolina, never a bad time in Columbia and uh, went on to East Carolina and uh, did that a couple of years. And then uh, I said, you know what, administration might be my ticket. So I uh, went from there to work at Penn. Well, Virginia let me do development in Philadelphia. Then I work for University of Penn. Uh, I tell people uh, it's a good place to go for development. And from there, I've been here at the MAC, just finished my 10th year, uh, hitting my 11th at the Mid-American Conference. <laughs>
1: Coach, I want to talk to you about – you talked about your high school coach and how much he meant to you and, you know, you worked at all these different places and you mentioned coaches and I, I just jotted them down. Uh, obviously, Coach Odom, who we all know very well, you played for Terry Holland, who, who went on to be the athletic director at Virginia. Jerry Wainwright, I know, was a head was a head coach Division One at UNC Wilmington and a few other places. Larry Davis went on to be a head coach. Coach Nestor, who we all know, went on to be a head coach at Elon and uh, where was he we before that? George Mason. Mm-hmm. Yep. George Mason, Coach Haith, who went on to be a head coach at Texas and Missouri and a couple other places. Jim Laronega, who is is he still at Miami? Yes. Uh, just talk about, you know, the working with so many people that are obviously so – care so much about what they do and so successful what they do and and just being around those people and what it's taught you.
2: You know what? I, I think it – I give a lot of credit to my high school coach, Blas. I mean, he was a guy who you had to play hard. He, he really instilled, I mean, we pressed and ran and just – uh, if you didn't play hard, you just didn't play. Um, you know, he had a saying, and, and you go back to saying, he said, hey, you love your mother, but if you're playing your mother, you have to win that game. You have to beat your mother. And that was his mantra. is just just, who are you playing? You have to win the game. And um, I never forget, it was one of the big, my life lessons. Uh, and that was the only way that I could play was all out style, blahs and, and Brian. And one day after going to Virginia, I think I went to the next practice and not play the same way, and he kicked me out of practice. And that's probably the best thing that he taught me was you can never take a day off. And whenever I've had tough decision, whatever, I often call him. I never forget. You know, there was a time being at Virginia, I didn't know as a freshman if I could do it or not, and I never forget. He said, "Hey." Just continue to work hard and be prepared, and your number will be called one day. Not saying when or where, but you'll, you'll have an opportunity, but be sure you're ready for your opportunity. But uh, I got a chance to, just to all the guys you listed. I think the common denominator, Blas, was, was uh, no one had any egos, and everyone worked hard. Um, we didn't care who got the credit whose recruit this was or or who liked this play or whatever. It was was team. And everyone, and I give Coach Odom a lot of credit. He's the master of blending people and team. And uh, he spends a lot of time um, with a good group of people uh, that really get along well and just work hard. And uh, it just seemed to click. and, And we have a lot of fun together
0: it's a natural segue because what I wanted to ask you about having fun. And I know we're talking about shooting games before practice like you and, and we got, a, we got a chance to work with a lot of great coaches and we have a lot of great coaches on this podcast, but you just had a lot of fun. Like it was always fun with guys. Now, when it was time to to get down to business and coaching and talking about defense, like you were like you're saying a defensive specialist in, in college, it was time to, 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 to perform, but I'd love to hear more about just – I don't know if it was a philosophy. I know you. I know it's not a strategy. You were just always having fun. So talk about just the role of having fun being around college basketball.
2: You know what? One of the great things that I think that – this the life balance, Brian, is to um, – I believe in being disciplined. I believe in working hard. But when that's done, then there's an opportunity to do something else and um, you know I can remember playing at Virginia that the practice would be so great the coach would blow a whistle it could be just an hour hour 15 but so much got done in that hour an hour and a half you know it, it was pleasing that you didn't need to go two or three hours and no I, I don't know just uh, I think you have to take care of yourself uh, your health your mental your physical uh, and I think life and laughter and uh, pursuit of happiness is just as important as um, working, uh, you know, around the clock. I think as a young coach, I heard a story one time about Jim Valvano. He was in times are different. He was gone so much with coaching that when he came home, his family didn't miss him. He had missed so many dinners and missed so many birthdays or whatever. So when I got into coaching, I often said, you know, I was going to stay at the office. I was going to go at home from six to eight because I didn't like to blend the two. I wanted to go home, home being home uh, with your family, but then have an opportunity to come back to the office to watch tape or do something else. But you know what? Life's too short if, if you can't enjoy it.
1: I don't know if you know this coach. That's great. You talk about going home for dinner coach Spurrier when he was at South Carolina and he did this at Florida. And it was a little different because he did it at the stadium, but Wednesday night was always family night. And at six thirty, practice film meetings, whatever would be over and they would have dinner and the kids would all come all the coaches, the, the strength coaches, the, the trainer, the, all the assistant coaches, all their wives and kids. And they would have a, you know, a cater dinner from like, whatever the, you know, the university catering or whatever. And it would always be family night. And I always thought that was just awesome that he made sure, you know, to to have that fun. Uh, This is a little bit more of a technical question because now you've, you've been a, you were a player at at the highest level, the ACC level, and a coach, a head coach, an assistant coach. Now you're an administrator. What's one thing you wish you could get across to coaches from the administrator side? We talk about this sometime with Brian now being an athletic director, like, uh, I don't know if I'm asking it right. I don't know if it makes any sense. But, yeah, like, because you've now seen it from all the perspectives.
2: Well, I think sometimes coaches see things in a, a tunnel vision. Uh, naturally, being in a conference office, you have to see it the bigger picture sometimes. So, I, I, And I realize coaches want what they want, when they want it, and uh, very singular. Uh, but I think sometimes in, in conference you have to look at it from the holistic uh, aspect, blahs, uh, but uh, it's not a lot of difference. Um, naturally, we're dealing in, in some different time.
1: Is that Was that not the right answer? No, no, I was going to say, I think what I wanted to ask was, do you think because you were on all the different sides, maybe you have a better perspective, or when you oh, talk absolutely. to a coach, when you talk to a coach, maybe they respect that opinion a little more coming from you?
2: Absolutely. I, I think uh, my job – entails just doing a little bit of everything as it relates to a conference office. You deal with coaches, athletic directors, presidents, uh, scheduling, TV scheduling, uh, anything that has to go on or goes wrong. But naturally, being a former coach, you know what they go through and the pressures that they go through. And uh, you understand. uh, And I think they respect you and that you understand and you know and and you can say, "Hey, no, you're you're out, you know you're out of line," or this is so. I think it behooves to have someone with some experience uh, that have walked in their shoes.
0: And I know there's not a whole lot going on right now with, with scheduling, and you know there's, uh, <laughs> there's a, a pandemic. I know that uh, it's probably pretty calm around those offices. Today, so uh, <laughs> well, at least the high school level, we don't have anything going on. I just barely stay awake, and I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: It is uh, interesting times all over and uh, talk about games and testings. And I'll tell you, the biggest thing is probably testing of the officials. Uh, As you know, the officials are independent contractors and they work different leagues. So naturally, they're considered tier one along with the coaches and the players. So uh, trying to trying to understand how to test the officials before they come into different uh, venues. And when they've been in a different conference, different state, uh, has been kind of tricky, yep. not to mention who pays for it.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, what they have you there for, to figure out you all those go. problems.
0: There you go. <laughs> I I went to, um, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now to watch South Carolina play football. And, you know, it was my first time being in Williams Bryce since all this started happening. And, it's it's strange you know seeing yeah. everybody spaced out and the, the cheerleaders in the in the bleachers band doesn't come out on the field i'm looking around like why is this and I, you know realizes like wait a minute kids are getting to play and, and you say you're talking about officials officials are getting to officiate the game is going on and that's 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 a, that's a positive thing right now so yeah. um, absolutely doing the best we can with what we've got so but uh anyway let's go ahead coach you know the name of the podcast is the greatest games So we know you have a doozy. So go ahead and take us in the arena for your greatest game.
2: You know what? My greatest game would probably be the 95 ACC championship uh, against North Carolina when I was assistant at Wake Forest. Um, Heck of a game uh, leading up up to that point. Um, We were uh, number one seed, four teams. I looked at it today. We all were 12 and four. Wake Forest, North Carolina, Maryland, and Virginia. Uh, we hadn't had the number one seed. Uh, the first round, we beat Duke 87 to 70. Duke was 2 and 14 that year. Go figure, right? Uh, 95, we beat Virginia uh, the next game. Uh, and then we played um, North Carolina, which is uh, probably goes down as one of the Greatest games uh, in the ACC history. Randolph Childress uh, had a tremendous uh, ACC tournament. The championship game, he had 37 points, I don't know, seven assists. Uh, he scored scored all nine points in overtime. Uh, just just a remarkable, remarkable uh, feat uh, for an individual, as you as you say, to will to win. Uh, he put the team on his back, and uh, just a, a great day to to be a Demon Deacon.
1: Coach, I'm watching the highlights as as you're talking about it, and um, you had uh, you got Rusty Larue here on the court for the Deacons. You got Duncan, number 44, with the the, the big uh, Ricky Peral. Ricky Perrault. I was going to say Ricky Perrault. And it was this, was Rodney Rogers still on his team or not? Oh, Rodney was in the NBA by that time. Okay. There was uh, another big guy, number 34, that just threw a pass to Childress and Scooter put his Banks. hands up. Who was it? Hooter Banks. He threw the pass to Childress and then just put his hands up right away. He didn't even wait. You know, it was like, he just, he threw the pass, hands went straight up. He knew it was going in. And he didn't go Childress to the hadn't NFL even NFL. shot it. And he put his hands up. <laughs> Um, Talk about uh, that game, again, like, I just named your team, but go through the North Carolina team. We talked about it pre-show. The all-ACC first team had all five North Carolina players on it. The first
2: team, we were talking a little bit. The first team, that 95 ACC tournament was Randolph Childress was the MVP, Tim Duncan, Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace, and Junior Beryl from Virginia. And the second team was Joe Smith. From Maryland, uh, Donald Williams uh, from North Carolina, Dante Calibra and Jeff McGinnis. So they had their starting five, five. In the <laughs> first and second team, along with X-ray hip from the University
1: of Maryland. Talk about what it was like beating North Carolina in Greensboro, that's when the tournament was in Greensboro every year. Obviously coach Smith was, was coach Smith still there was Coach, God, was. No, coach was was Smith was still there. still there. Yeah, uh, about beating North Carolina in an ACC tournament championship game. They probably didn't lose a lot of them.
2: No, they didn't. And uh, what a pro crowd uh, North Carolina ever tried to play North Carolina in North Carolina. But uh, just, you know, and Coach Odom had always said to win a championship, you're going to have to go through North Carolina somewhere. So they're always going to be there. And what uh, a fitting championship and having the opportunity uh, as you can say, what a great players. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Donald Williams. I mean, just sure firepower. But uh, you know what? Uh, Tim Duncan didn't turn out to be a bad player. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a great game. And one of the nicest things that I can say is when we got back, as you know, Greensboro is probably about 20 minutes from uh, Winston-Salem. Uh, and just the uh, fans had back at campus, and uh, they have a tradition rolling the quad, throwing toilet tissue uh, on the trees. So it was, it was quite the celebration uh, after so many years, uh, finally uh, getting over the hump, so to speak, winning the ACC Championship. And let me just tell you, it is hard <laughs> uh, winning an ACC Championship. As a player, uh, we were seated with Ralph many times, number, being number one in the regular season, not winning the ACC championship. So firsthand, I, I can attest how hard it is uh, to win an ACC championship. So kudos, uh, I think we talked a little bit about, it. it's been 25 years and um, congratulations and a big thank you to Wake Forest administration, John Kerry and Mike Muse. And uh, they, they invited the team and coaches and trainers, all of us back for a reunion. Uh, for weekend uh, this past year. So thanks to the Wake Forest administration.
0: Well, Coach, I never got to see an ACC tournament in Greensboro. And some of the feedback we've gotten from our listeners, which has been great, this podcast has grown and grown and grown. It's, it's, it's become worldwide. And so it's been very, very special to be a part of this. But take me into the arena. But my point with that is the feedback we've gotten is sometimes fans really want to be taken in the arena. So I'm a fan. I want to be taken in the arena. What was it like? I know Blaz was kind of mention there. Was it like being North Carolina in Greensboro? But that actual building, like this – the the energy, the enthusiasm, what's going on in there at that time. So take us in there and help me, help me feel what it was really like to, to be a part of that.
2: You know, Brian, it, I, people in the ACC country, and I want to say North Carolina, Virginia, growing up in Virginia, when there's ACC tournament, people bring their televisions into the classroom, especially in physical education. And watch the ACC tournament. I mean, it's you just grow up. It's in your blood. So, I think it's one of the hardest tickets to get. Um, it is just action packed. I want to say true basketball fans and just just great basketball. Great as we mentioned, great players. Uh, I was laughing the other day. I was talking to my boss. You know, it's it's Tobacco Road, North Carolina. So when I played, you could smoke. So when they turn the lights out, you saw the haze of people smoke. <laughs> so luckily uh, people don't smoke there anymore during games, but uh, it is always holds a, a special place just for the electricity, uh, the games, um, how hard they are and in the fans. I mean, they're so knowledgeable, so appreciative and uh, true, true fans, ACC fans. I, 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 I'm a, Purists, so I, you know, I I hope it always stays in Greensboro. But I do understand moving around to the different venues, Brooklyn and uh, DC and uh, Charlotte. But uh, it will always be ACC tournament in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: Coach, I, uh, I think I told this story one other time on the uh, podcast. Uh, Sometime during the tenure at South Carolina, I was down in the in the dungeon down there, and it was at night after practice and I had the TV on and that game was on like ESPN classic or whatever. And coach Odom was walking out of the building. And I said, coach, I go the 95 ACC championship games on. And he kind of just stopped and and walked in the office for a minute and he, and he watched it for about 30 seconds or a minute. He goes, you know what? I've never watched this game. Oh, wow. Do you remember the last time you watched it or maybe catching it on TV or if you ever have watched it or you know what? I think during the
2: pandemic last year, they were showing old games, So I always get texts when <laughs> either Virginia is playing old oh, North Carolina, Virginia, when I play or when Wake is playing and I'm an assistant coach. So randomly I get uh, texts and uh, calls. But the only thing equivalent of that would be playing in Landover when Ralph Sampson played against Patrick Ewing in Landover. And that was a smaller venue, and it was like two gladiators getting ready to go to war. And this probably predates you, but they used to have an old organ. So you could hear uh, the organ being played. And I can remember being in the locker room thinking that you're just going out like gladiator. I mean, naturally, you were afraid playing against Georgetown. (laughs) with John Thompson and Patrick Ewing and their pressure defense. But that was the only other time that I can remember just the electricity in the buildup. Both guys on Sports Illustrated, uh, both guys being hyped, and just the media attention of two great, great centers and just a throwback, knockdown, dragout game. So.
1: Just quickly, in either one of those games, the, the game that Childress had or that game, as a coach or as a player, did you ever find yourself sometimes just really watching the game and forgetting that, oh, God, I got a coach, I got to figure this out, or I'm playing? Did you just ever get caught watching, almost staring? Well,
2: you either that or you'll get trapped by Georgetown Press. So, no, I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> <James> Smith <laughs> and those guys, they were just uh, – they were tenacious, man. They their pressure was something uh, to be hoped Matter of fact, I can remember practicing against their pressure. We did it five against seven or eight, and I still don't think that did justice. <laughs> so, uh, but both games were uh, equally uh, hyped and uh, just great environments and uh, uh, able to come out the, the victors in, in both uh, instances.
1: Well, coach, we like to uh, ask a fun question, a final question here. Um, If I ask uh, players that played for you at Wake Forest or players that played for you at South Carolina or East Carolina, Virginia Tech, when they do their coach Stokes impersonation, which they all have, they all have it. What is the one thing they would say that you say all the time that you said all the time as a coach?
2: Lodge, you might have to refresh my memory. It's been so long since I coached. So. Well,
1: there is one thing you're known for saying, and it's how you say the word tournament.
2: <laughs> you know what's so funny? My daughter teases me to this day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess that's it, huh? I remember Barry and that Park and those guys always doing the – I can't even do it. I can't – tournament. I can't even do it. My daughter, <laughs> my,
2: daughter, my daughter to this day, she chuckles. So there you have it. <laughs>
0: coach correct me if I'm wrong you're the one that also called coaches coachy right they put a on the end of coachy just coachy just just as, as a I don't
2: know who, who started coachy I don't know I don't know if I'm going to get that the uh label for that yeah
0: well I, whoever started it I've carried it on to Ridgeview and <laughs> I, I've got coaches my golf coach me and one of them coach Gilmer hey coachy and I'm all right that's it's stuck so I, I love it I don't know for whatever reason I really love it but Coach Stokes, Coachy Stokes, just can't thank you enough for coming on this show with us. The greatest games. It's been a lot of fun to catch up with you. This was this was really entertaining. Really appreciate you doing this. You
2: guys, it's great to reminisce and uh, appreciate our friendship. Uh, I don't know how many years has it been, but anyway, it's been a few years ago. But uh, <laughs> glad to see both you guys are doing well. Uh, I'm glad our paths have crossed, and I look forward to crossing again. So be safe and uh, keep doing great things.
0: Well, we, we appreciate it, Coach, totally. It's been, yeah, that 15-plus years. It feels like 30 in all the best ways, but we uh, see, like I said, crossing paths. But let's go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host, Chris Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.